Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. And a good morning to you. Joining us in studio right now, he is your Arizona Attorney General, Mark Bernovich. Because yesterday you had a bit of a uh, a press conference in which you announced... Um, a new move uh, targeting specifically, uh, I would call maybe the two major vape companies out there. And when I say vape companies, they make the, the device more than anything. Is that fair? Um, actually, you know, Juul is one of the leaders. That was one of the yes. companies we sued. And originally, you know, when they came online, they were, you know, uh, PAX Industries in 2015. And now they dominate the market share. They control about two-thirds to three-quarters of the U.S. market when it comes to vaping slash electronic devices. Eon is actually, um, they do make devices, but a lot of where they've made their bread and butter and what our problem is here in Arizona is they make a lot of the flavored nicotine, the cotton candies, the cereal flavors. Um, you know, ice colada uh, flavors that we allege are, are designed to appeal to people that are under 18. Question to you. Is there any evidence that flavors uniquely target kids? Where is that coming from? Well, I, I think that um, if you talk to most people that are tobacco users, that are smokers, um, you know, when they're not buying, you know, cotton candy, that doesn't mean maybe some of them are. But a lot of these flavors, we allege, if you look at the totality of the circumstances, um, are designed to appeal to the youth. As we talk about in our pleadings, there's really a three-prong approach, and you have to look at it comprehensively. One is the vape companies literally stole or talked about taking the advertising campaign that Major Tobacco used and basically applying that to the vape industry. Because you got to remember, vaping, there was no nicotine warnings, none of that labels. And so, you know, they basically, and we show these examples in our pleadings, they used the, you know, ads that were designed to target youth. They had these, um, you know, pop-up parties. They had cool events, so-called cool events in like LA and New York with DJs. And so they made an effort to appeal to young people that way through social media, and through the events. And then the second prong of their approach was to create flavors and devices that made it literally easier to inhale um, or uh, in, inhale the substances. In fact, it was, it was our pleadings. We point out that one of the executives from Juul, they talked about the fact that, you know, they wanted to make it easier for to, to vaporize for people that aren't used to smoking or aren't used to inhaling things to be able to um, do it more easily. And so one of the ways that you make it more easily for people to uh, vape and inhale, especially people that aren't used to smoking, is by having these flavors. And so the flavors weren't tobacco flavor. They weren't traditional you know, flavors you might see in a cigarette. They were flavors that usually, like cotton candy, um, ser- ser- sugary cereal. I mean, those, those are flavors that we allege are designed to appeal to people that are 18. 18. And the third thing they did is they... Um, Manip- they didn't provide those warnings on the nicotine and the dangers of it, and they manipulated the content, and the, and the pods have a, a ton of nicotine. And, and Bruce, I just that's all I want to say. All that that's important. That's the base of our lawsuit. But as I said yesterday, look, I, I'm not a believer in the nanny state. What a, an adult wants to do, if if someone wants to use tobacco products, you know, that's their business. You know, if people, you know, if some couple people want to take a lunch break and go, you know, take a drag off their heater outside, you know, I'm not going to, you know, we're not out there, you know, criticizing them or nanny state. What my concern is, is this epidemic we've seen. And I'm not trying to filibuster yeah. here, but, yeah. but, but, but Pamela's giving me that look like, oh, speed up. Oh, no, no, oh, no. But, 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 but
inspections. We do tobacco inspections, how they've risen, the non-compliance, so there are more of you spying them, um, you know, and, and said, the way they're marketing these flavors. And, you know, we've also seen an increase in, in teen tobacco no use. Okay, so we've got State Attorney General here, Mark Brnovich, joining us, talking about the lawsuit that you filed against a couple of these vaping companies. And uh, full disclosure... I'm in, a, I'm in agreement with you. Um, I am not opposed to banning the flavored e-cigs. I am not opposed to raising the age up to 21 for all tobacco products. But as I hear you talk, I think you could make the same argument against flavored alcohol. When you talk about pop-up parties, you've had that for a variety of different alcohol companies. Limon vodka. When you talk about the different flavors, it's not just vodka flavored, but you have strawberry and bubblegum and all these different things. How is the vape industry unique in comparison to alcohol? They use social influencers, Instagram to push their product as well. It... um it's a little bit different, but I will say there have been times historically when AGs have taken action and companies have had to remove certain products because of the way the can was designed and the appeal sure. and the marketing. And so there are times, I think, when the you can have Joe people, Camel you, on the no, cigarette well, I'm, I'm saying even oh, with like there's alcohol. some with alcohol products. Okay. So, I mean, so, so I'm, I'm saying that that has happened. I mean, but. Here, what we have, if you look at some of the documents and some of our allegations, you have these uh, vape companies, these e-cigarette companies that literally took the playbook from big tobacco in the 70s and 80s and basically said, we're going to do the same thing. And so they were intentionally doing that. I also think that, you know, nicotine is obviously a highly addictive substance. And, you know, um, you, you know so, you know, imagine going back to your alcohol example where, you know, you didn't have anything on the content of showing how much nicotine was in there. And, you know, um, so y- you would end up, you know, or how much alcohol was in there, excuse me. So, People didn't know what they were getting. And if you're younger, it's much, much more easier to get um, addicted. And so I, I do think if there were times if someone, you know, went too far, maybe maybe they crossed that line. But here, clearly, there was a strategy where because they're trying to hold on to market share. Um, and, and, and once again, I think alcohol sales are doing fine. But, you know, the t- tobacco industry to- was a dying industry. That's the reality. And mm-hmm. less people were smoking. And so they people were figuring out ways, unfortunately, try to get younger people hooked so they could, you know, keep buying their products. And what we allege is, is part of that strategy to maintain, to create profits over people and uh, maintain market share. Companies like this came in and deliberately marketed their products and manipulated, you know, nicotine, didn't disclose the warnings as to the dangers of, you know, what could be, what could happen. And um, as a result, you have one out of every two, according to recent surveys, almost one out of every two, about 47% of seniors in Arizona said they tried vaping. And I mean, so the, high school seniors, uh, high school seniors. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. No. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, yes. I mean, yeah. Ten four. We're talking right now again to State Attorney General um, Mark Burnovich about vaping and going after some of those companies, the news conference that you had yesterday. But I do want to switch gears with you here for a moment because today has been a busy news day. Um, And last night it was kicked off with Iran firing missiles into Iraq, hitting a couple of military installations, the U.S. military installations. We've had the President of the United States address the American public here a few hours ago. We carried that live on KTIR. I want to talk to you, though, about some of these fake text messages that folks have been Mm. getting around the country. And when I talk about fake text messages, I'm talking about people getting messages informing them that they've been selected for a military draft. Oh, my God. 
your reaction? Uh, first, uh, thank God none of our service personnel were harmed. And as someone that yes. was in the military, um, I just our thoughts and prayers are with everyone that's away from their families, away from their friends being deployed. And Missiles so, are on the way yes. when you're at the base. It's not so, something you want to so hear. So th- thank yeah. goodness no one was harmed. Um, secondly, um, I, I just cannot believe these fake texts and emails. And, and you just, we just, I just showed them, you just showed them to me, Pamela. Uh, this is really outrageous. Obviously, there's a lot of anxiety right now in the country. You look at social media, what people are saying. And literally last night, you know, our family, you know, my daughter's home from college, my other high school daughter, we were all talking. And they literally said, is there going to be a draft? So I mean, yeah. this is something that it's, a lot it's of a conversation. Kids, kids are talking about. You can and make I'm like, fun of it all you want. It's a real conversation. Right. And for it's them. like, no, there's going to be no draft. And, just so we're absolutely clear, there isn't a draft. These are fake messages, just like a lot of other, you know, spam and mm-hmm. other messages people get. You should ignore them. But it's it's really sad that anytime there's a crisis or tension in this country, that there's someone out there trying to take advantage of it. I just kind of want to give folks a perspective as to what some of these text messages okay. are sounding like. Hello, we're contacting you in regards to the United States official army draft. We've tried contacting you through your email several times and have had no response. You've been marked eligible and must come to the nearest branch of the New Jersey area, for instance, for immediate departure to Iran. Please contact us at the following number immediately. And it says the United States Army referral program ask for this person, this extension. Again, State Attorney General Mark Burnovich, if you get one of these text messages, what do you do? Well, ignore it and, and don't respond to it. And this is a good reminder. Never provide anyone your personal information, uh, anything that they can be used to steal your identity. And as we know, whether it's the IRS scam, whether it's the scam we saw with senior citizens with Social Security scam, where yep, yep. people pretend like they're from the government because they know people are vulnerable, they're scared. And then, you know, you call them and then they say, oh, we're going to issue a warrant or you're going to get drafted unless you do this. And next thing you know, you're trying to those calls. Yeah, AG. I, I know I we're mean, trying, though. We're I'm trying. getting the, we uh, the we're uh, calling from the social security your yes. number has been or this is from the irs mine's been frozen I that's as far as they get and i just hang up yeah, we, every time and there's new, bring it on we supported it there's new legislation yeah. that's going to make it more difficult for those scammers to do those calls but really getting back to this anyone who's listening or has kids there is no draft yes. the army doesn't control the draft that's no. the selective service system which is also important and so uh yeah anytime you get this stuff disregard it contact you know, the attorney general's office, you can always file a complaint at azag.gov. Most of the time, though, or a lot of times, these scammers are overseas. And so, you know, the federal government has jurisdiction and you, know, you can contact the FTC. And But really, the, the key is whether it's this or any of these other ones, emails, calls, if someone affirmatively is reaching out to you, I would immediately assume it's a scam. Skepticism. A, scam. a healthy dose of it's good. Thank you very yes. much for your time today. Always a pleasure. We appreciate it. That's Attorney General Mark Burnovich uh, uh, weighing in on a variety of subjects out there that may impact a, a whole bunch of you. You know, as, a, as kind of a follow-up to the vape lawsuits, there is a new type of weed or a new variation, if you will, of marijuana crossing the border. We're going to tell you about it. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Obviously, we're keeping an eye on and uh, the reaction to uh, last night's missile strike in Iraq from Iran. 
president's response, et cetera. We're going to have more on that. And you just heard from State Attorney General Mark Burnovich. Yeah. If you get a text yeah. regarding, you know, selective service, it's not true. No, Ignore it. Do yeah. nothing with just it. Just like all, all right? the other crazy ones. If people reaching out to you, you should be very, very skeptical. Um, but think about this. As, as And we started the conversation with A.G. Burnovich with the, the lawsuit against the vaping companies. Um, and one of the things that we found out was that these deaths, tragic deaths, and the injuries that we had recently. The lung stuff, yeah. The lung, the lung issues that were related to vaping were related specifically to, in many cases, most cases, these black market vape juice that contains THC, a way for people to basically ingest or get the marijuana high without lighting up a joint. Yeah, you know what? And vaping cartridges for THC and pot has now apparently become the most popular way to consume marijuana. So there's definitely but a you need and a market it. for it. Think about that. Um, so it's actually changing the game for the cartels as well, as you would expect it to. Mm-hmm. And again, we're talking about the black market THC, not the stuff that you're necessarily getting at dispensaries. So how is it changing the game? Well, instead of loading up, you know, 250 pounds of this commercial marijuana and Putting it on, you know, on the backs of several mules, and I mean by drug mules, drug, not, drug not mules. actual yeah, well, animals. Carry like one bale at a time. Yeah. You've seen that before, sure. like a huge backpack. And, you know, hiking it across the border mm-hmm. and, and dealing with it in that capacity. What we're finding out is they're able to take that 250 pounds of pot and create what's called like crude cannabis oil. This is the stuff that's in that, that THC, those vaping cartridges. Mm-hmm. And it takes 250 pounds of the marijuana to produce a five-gallon bucket of that crude oil, that cannabis oil. So you've gone like from a 200, concentrate. You go from like 250 pounds, pounds of the weed to a five-gallon bucket. And I don't know. I know like liquid is heavy. How, how much? How much is five-gallon gallon bucket? About 35 pounds. Seven okay. pounds a gallon, roughly. So from 250 to 35. And, Boy, that's economical. Well, and it's much more efficient because basically all you are. A bit, and what we're understanding, what the drug cartels are doing is they are only bringing across what the consumers want. And the consumers are not looking for loose, raw marijuana. They want this juice they can put in their vape cartridges. Yeah, Detective Matthew Shea with the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office talked to our TV partners over at ABC 15 about all of this. It looks like motor oil, but the stuff yeah. you see here is nearly pure THC concentrate. Since May, Border Patrol agents have seized it coming across the Arizona border. Started to see the people that usually would backpack marijuana through the desert were now backpacking up crude oil. Okay, so when you've got that cannabis crude oil, if you will, that's getting lugged across the border, just like many other drugs, when it gets to the United States and before it goes out on the black market, so to speak, it's cut. Right. There are things that are added to it. There are ways to, to, that they try to make it to make more farther. of it. Thank yeah. you. It goes farther. Yeah. Add and, water to it. Like when you put it in your ketchup bottle. And and that's so maybe why exactly. it's important to, to talk about this, because in those lung injuries mm-hmm. that have come from a lot of the black market vape cartridges, what the government has found out is that there is the um, existence, if you will, of a particular ingredient, and it's vitamin E acetate. And that vitamin E acetate is what apparently is is injuring the lungs and even killing people. And it is fair to suggest that the stuff that's being brought across the border once it gets here is going to be cut with this same vitamin E acetate. And so as... 
you got vaping cartridges being the most popular way to consume marijuana. Couple if you're the getting them off the black market, you need to know what you're getting and that you're putting yourself at tremendous risk. Yeah. Well, I mean... The idea in that marijuana a, in a way is differently, safe. yeah. You know, yeah. What I, mean? I think a lot of people have that. You know, legalized. Mm-hmm. You know, recreational as well as medical. It's not all the same. Well, and and in the liquid form, it can be adulterated in ways that loose leaf marijuana, for lack of better terms, isn't and can't. Just the latest. But those who are consuming marijuana that way, cannabis that way. Will they care until they're the ones that get injured by it? We have the absolute latest with uh, the conflict with Iran. Has it been dialed back today? We're talking about it next. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. It is a, uh, a sad anniversary in the state of Arizona today. We have to take you back nine years ago, January 8th, 2011. It was a Saturday. And uh, Congresswoman Gabby Giffords was holding what was called Congress on Your Corner, a a meet and greet with constituents uh, outside a Safeway in a strip mall. On the corner of Ina and Oracle in Tucson. Just advising Safeway, Ina and Oracle County is going to be working a shooting. Um, we've got multiple, multiple, multiple calls. They have not called us for assistance. I'm assuming they're quite 10 6 at this point. Uh, we've been informed Gabriel Giffords is involved. Yeah, uh, remember it like it was yesterday. Six yeah. people died, 13 wounded. Um, and wounded was then Representative Gabby Giffords. Mm-hmm. You and I both went down, spent uh, several days down in Tucson covering that story for KTAR, and it's one of those stories that stick with you. you we, we had a, 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 KTAR had a, a mobile studio, if you will, and our mobile studio was initially in the parking lot of the Safeway. They then moved us across the street as they did their investigations. But for, what was it, three, four days, we were right there looking at this parking lot and and I think I you know where I'm going with this that one of the things that really stood out was that after the initial treatment of of uh, of the victims it becomes a crime scene and uh, uh people were allowed to remove their cars from this parking lot again it was a, a safe way a Walgreens like you see anywhere a regular one and I remember we asked a Pima County Sheriff's deputy who was who was standing there behind the tape uh, and the cars, the vehicles that were left were those of the victims. Those were the only ones left in the parking lot. Now, I, I, I can picture that scene right now, Pamela. You know what I can still picture? What's that? The, the chain link fence outside of Christina Taylor Green's mm. elementary school, the nine-year-old. The nine-year-old girl. Third grader who had gone to meet Giffords with a neighbor that day when she was shot and killed. Mm-hmm. And I still remember being on the air with Pat McMahon, and he asked us, you know, it's nine year anniversary today, but he said, 10 years from now, what are you going to remember? And I told him I would remember Christina Taylor Green and that fence, and that's exactly what I still remember today. Nine yeah. years ago, folks. Uh, a federal judge, uh, Judge Roll, was, was killed in that as well. But that was nine years ago this morning. Uh, imagine that. Um, we want to give you the latest uh, uh, and uh, uh, an interesting day, if you will. Woke up this morning. I don't know. I went to sleep last night. On edge? Well, it, it, yes. Uncomfortable? Uncomfortable mm-hmm. because I knew that 
all we knew last night was that uh, Iran had launched ballistic missiles, lobbed them over the border of Iran into Iraq and targeted American military bases. We didn't have damage, casualty. It was a developing situation, right? And as we found out this morning, that there were no American casualties. In fact, uh, the Iraqi officials are saying that there were no Iraqi casualties either. Mm. It, it changed the scope. And that uneasiness and that level of being uncomfortable that I had last night changed this morning when the president made the announcement that there were no American casualties. Mm. And I think that it gave him an opportunity to de-escalate Iran gave that opportunity, I think, personally, Open the door. that uh, Iran meant for that to happen. They didn't mean for anybody to die. They just tried to show force. Like, hey, look, we're doing something to their people. Uh, but it all. But they didn't want to go to war with the United States. And the president, I think, heard that. And the fact that there were no casualties allowed him to de-escalate. And I think that that's what happened today. Hmm. But earlier in the program, we sat down and we talked with Dan Gabriel. This is a, a fascinating man who is the director of the documentary Mosul. He's also a former former CIA agent, as well as having served many tours in Iraq. And he, too, watched the president's speech this morning. And he had a unique observation. Take a Ooh. listen to what he didn't just hear, but he saw around 930 Arizona time this morning. We had a very powerful moment here in D.C. Uh, just an hour or so ago. The president, of course, addressing the nation and the world with, uh, with all of his generals behind him, his secretary of state, secretary of defense. Very unusual. I might add, uh, to, to kind of present in that way, typically it would be done from the Oval Office. So hmm. it was very clearly sending a message uh, of cohesion and, and unity. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Uh, we all sat here, watched it. You listened to it right here on KTAR. It was KTAR. choreographed for a reason. Oh, sure. It looked and, that way for a reason. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not mad at it. And, and if that's how you want to show force, great. Mm-hmm. I'd rather you show unity. force that way with unity um, than, you know, being t- taking other military steps. You want to show unity and strength that way? I'm absolutely all for that. Um, I still have questions. Okay, what are some? And of your I don't questions? know if I don't have I fully understand. I don't have a, a full answers yet. Um, I am leaning towards Iran, Iran. Sorry, purposely missed, uh, uh, purposely avoided targeting human lives. Yeah, I, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards it. Although I think it's still very plausible that. Maybe they just aren't that accurate as well. Or maybe our defenses uh, knock down some of them. I think there's a chance of that as well. Um, Is it over? Are we done? Have both sides taken their shot? And we're back to, I'll use the term situation normal, which is Iran are bad guys in the area and we don't like them over here. Well, we talked to Paul Kinzinger earlier in the program. Again, another former CIA agent. And here's what he had to say about that. I think they're buying time to kind of see where the U.S. comes out on this. You know, I I don't think there's any surprise that uh, leaders around the world are a little bit disconcerted in how to deal with this president. They've never had a president like this. They're scratching their heads just like many Americans are. So I think buying time to see what we do. And now that we have dropped another shoe, uh, I think the ball's in their court. Let's see what they say about this and how they respond. But, you know, what, Middle Eastern uh, politics (laughs) is so convoluted and complex. I mean, the idea that 
Iran is monolithic. And when the government says we're going to take a step back, that everybody takes a step back is not the way it works. And I want to offer you this. Texas Governor Abbott said this earlier this morning about what they've been dealing with in Texas. Take a listen. An increase of attempted attacks from Iran on state agencies at the rate of about 10,000 per minute. Which is what one of the concerns was, right? So lobbing missiles that I, too, agree Iran meant to miss. Missed on purpose. That's one thing. Yeah. We can see that and we can say they did this. Blank, right. When it comes to cyber attacks, like what we hear happening in, in Texas, and I'm sure in other places, he's just the one out there talking he's, he's about it. He's admitting it right, it right now. now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that that's where the waters might get a little muddier. And will it be an obvious, oh, they did that? And I think that's really what we're going to be de- running through the filter of. I'll explain to you what I mean about that. Might be one of the reasons why. You need to have your faith in humanity restored. We're digging into that. Coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Arizona's News Station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Today's a, a, a good day. To subscribe to our podcast if you wanted to stay up to speed with some of the things that are going on and hearing from some of the experts out there. Because we did have uh, a, a, a good range, I thought, and had some really interesting people with some unique insight and knowledge into specifically uh, what has been going on. And, and really looking at it from uh, getting away from the, the bluster and bravado and looking at it strategically. What was your big takeaway? What, what did you like? Um, I, I, listen, I, I start with, I like that for the most part, the speech that Trump gave this morning, I don't think incites Iran to respond to. And that's a good thing. I, I, I hope that at least overtly, this ends the tit for tat. Here's the reality. For the past 30 years. Iran, directly or indirectly, has been conducting what we would call terrorist actions from Lebanon to Yemen to Saudi Arabia to Iraq, you know, insert country here. And so here's what I, I, I say I worry or I think is going to happen the next time a car bomb explodes, the next time a cyber attack takes down something anywhere around the world, we're going to run it through the filter of did Iran do that? And we, does it warrant a response? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, we've got to run it through a lot of different filters because there, there are a lot of countries that are trying to, to do that. But, but they are going to be the one that people are going to reflexively say, well, is this a response to? And that's why I think messaging is so important. Mm. And I think that last night when you saw the messaging, that was just interestingly going back and forth between you know the president of the united states and high-ranking officials in oh, the, the, iran via tweet the world's literally literally the world's first twitter war uh yeah I, I but i think what you saw in that was a de-escalation and and the president saying all is well so far so good um the the iranian leader uh official saying you know we took proportionate measures in self-defense 
We do not seek escalation of war, but we'll defend ourselves against any uh, aggression. Both I, sides are claiming victory in some way, you know shape, okay, or form. Cool. Yeah, we, uh, uh, right. Claim victory all you want. That's fine. As long as there aren't any American soldiers and, and civilians that get killed. Claim, the pr- the claim problem victory is, all you want. There are plenty of them still in harm's way. And, yes. and what I don't understand yet, and I guess it's going to be one of these things, you just have to watch it play out and figure it out. Are, are, is the leadership of Iran, are they satisfied? Is it well, over for them? Or are they saying the things they're saying in public and plotting in other directions? Both very good questions. But I would also offer you that the lead, if, even if the leadership is satisfied, it doesn't mean that different factions within Iran are satisfied. Or outside. Because, again, one of the things we learned, and again, that was from uh, uh, the director of the film Mosul, Dan Gabriel, and CIA analyst, uh, how Iran either, I mean directly, and by directly I mean Iranian citizens, generals, or just through guns, ammo, vehicles, funding, support groups around the world that are in direct opposition to our own interests? And will those groups feel the need to retaliate in some way, shape or form and don't need to wait for instructions from Tehran that they're doing it for their own ideological reason? Like, it, sadly, the reality is the, the, the region is less stable today than it was before. What that means long term, we're going to find out. Certainly one of the reasons why you, you might think we're going to hang in a handbasket today. Pamela says she can restore your faith in humanity. Yeah, and sometimes all you need are some kids and kittens to make you smile. So that is our faith in humanity story today. You know, a lot of people volunteer and give back because it's the right thing to do. And when you do that, you get so much in return. But I'll tell you that this 15-year-old Hannah did not expect to volunteer at a local animal shelter and get something huge in return. Again, she's 15 and she'd only been volunteering for a few days when she was suddenly, Bruce, reunited with her childhood cat. Yeah, the kitty cat disappeared from their home years ago when the family was on vacation. They looked for the kitty cat, couldn't find the kitty cat, and a parent, the parents just assumed the worst, right? Now 15 years old, Hannah started volunteering and as fate would have it, It was only her second day on the job when she noticed a cat that looked shockingly like Spunky, her cat. To her surprise, it was indeed the missing kitty cat. It was found alongside the highway back in September. Somebody adopted it. The couple brought it back because the cat wouldn't catch mice. And it just so happened that Spunky came back to Hannah and she brought him home. This time, though, making sure to get him microchipped. Smart move on yes. your part. Yeah. He won't hunt mice. He won't hunt mice. Cat loves mice. Yeah. And by loves, it means just wants to play with him and hang out with him. Wow. Hey. He's going back to the shelter. Yeah. And I'm glad he did. Outstanding. Pamela, restoring your faith in humanity. We look through the double pane bulletproof glass. We've got uh, DJ Tommy Two Tone over there, super producer Stevie Z, and Bob McClay sticking around. 